Fork Pull Merge Push. This is a show about topics developers obsess over with hosts Escolati and guest engineers from around the world. Probably every JavaScript developer has encountered situations where one needs to deal with huge, deep and in always nasty data structures. Updating them here and there, while at the same time keeping all your data immutable, might seem to be a tedious task that nobody likes to do. Add to the mix static typing and one is deep in the rabbit hole of writing a lot of boilerplate code. There are many solutions to the problem, and the one we are talking about today is a concept called lenses. Lenses are a paradigm that has existed for quite some time and they come in different flavors. Today in studio with me is Petri Lehtinen. He wrote Python and JavaScript for a long time, but in the last few years has died deep into TypeScript. Functional programming in type programming languages is close to his heart. Petri loves open source and has been an active contributor for over a decade. How are you doing, Petri? Uh, hi, Esko. I'm fine. How about you? Uh, I'm fine, thank you. It's a beautiful morning today. Yeah. So, Petri, optics seem to be on the unknown side of technologies that one can use. What problems can you solve with them? Uh, well, I think the most important problem to solve with optics is, is deep data structures uh, that you have to manipulate in some way or even read data from, from some deep structure. And, and when you are manipulating the data, you want to keep the data immutable so that uh, you don't actually mutate anything inside that deep data structure. You don't go and assign uh, any values inside the data tr- structure. Uh, but instead, you, you actually you kind of replace a, a value. And what you get out is a new copy of the data structure with only the, the modified part actually changed. So did I understand it correctly that, for example, say you have a big notorious complex object and if you need to change some value deep inside the object, you can kind of forget about writing all the boilerplate code that you usually need to do, especially when using uh, typed languages like TypeScript. Yeah, kind of. Normally doing uh, nested updates like that while keeping the data manipulated means that you you have to write out uh, the names of the keys along the path where you are going to, to mutate the value or to, to modify value. And, and this frees you, this kind of frees you from, from writing a lot of boilerplate for that. That sounds pretty nice. So did I get it right that optics are kind of a way to model a path to internals of a data structure? So do they possibly work uh, in a bi-directional way too. Yeah, that's exactly it. exactly it. So, so you can you can uh, with optics you can kind of focus deep inside a data structure, and then do modifications as well as as reading the part that you are focusing at. So they 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 work in both directions. That's correct. Okay, so. I can imagine several uh, different ways in which I can utilize this thing called optics in my applications that I write. But what other intended use cases are there for optics other than manipulating data structures? Uh, well, one thing that comes to mind is is uh, string manipulation. While it, it doesn't uh, sound 
like it that a string would be a deeply nested data structure. You can actually think of strings as a list of words or a list of, of characters even. And and that way, yeah, you could could kind of focus to one part of your string and go and modify it. I think that's that's not as a, as a widely used use case, but it's possible. Many okay. things are possible with optics. <laughs> okay, so everything is possible. So, for example, you have query string that you need to build in the application, and so you could, for example, use optics instead of some hand-built logic to actually build this query string. Yeah, I've actually seen seen an implement, implementation of that in one one JavaScript optics library. It's pretty neat. It actually it is a one-to-one mapping, which is called an, an isomorphism in the optics jargon, uh, from strings to objects. So you can give a string, and when you when you read through the optic, you actually get an object out which has parsed the the query string parts out of the string as key value pairs. And then then when you write through that optic, you can you can give it an object and you get a string out, which is the URL encoded uh, representation of that that key value pair object. It's pretty neat. Okay, so you, you can practically take a string that is a query string and convert it back to an object and of course other way around to convert a, an object to a query string. Did yeah. I get it right? Okay, sounds yeah. pretty neat. So are there like still other use cases? What about user interface programming, like web applications? Yeah, yeah user interfaces are, are also one thing. Today's frameworks for building UIs, especially for the web, are based on components. And and the ideal world would be that, that your components would be composable so that you can you can move them around easily and and the state manipulation they do would be contained in those components so that that actually makes makes components composable and easy to move around and reuse in your code okay and um, yeah. lenses lenses help you with this well yeah because because you usually have a have a large ui state which has all the stuff in your application well you don't always have that but but I think it's it's one of the best practices of building UIs to have a, a big state that contains uh, kind of the, the whole application state. It it usually makes things easier. And then when you want to want to pass that state to your components, you can use optics to to decompose uh, the big UI state into smaller parts or into into smaller chunks, kind of, and arrange the chunks in a way that the components want to have. Okay. And, and optics is, 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 is a really good abstraction for doing that. I sense that you are going after, for example, better performing React components that don't receive stuff that information that they don't need to have, thus they don't update unnecessarily. And you can use lenses to achieve this. Yeah. And with some tricks, over React, for example, it's also possible that you uh, allow your your components to also write directly to the application, the the bigger application state through the lenses. That sounds pretty interesting. In that case, the uh, the outer 
scope or the or the outer component that renders your inner component can uh, can use optics to to kind of uh, organize the, the slice of the state or the smaller chunk of the state so that the the inner component is free to to read from it and also update it by by writing to it. Petri, would you mind explaining to me what optics are? So an optic in programming is a thing that refers to the inside of a data structure, allowing both reads and writes from the reads from the data structure and, and modifying the data structure at that that focus where the optic points. Another name for for an optic is functional reference, which I think captures the the gist of an optic pretty well because it's a reference to a data structure and in it's a functional in the sense that you can do things to the data structure using that functional reference. Uh, a nice uh, property of optics is that they are composable. So you can take two optics and combine them somehow and what you get out is is still an optic. So so they are good they are a good abstraction for for building bigger and bigger references to bigger and bigger data structures. Uh, a practical example would be that if you have a have an object, for example, let's say we have a TypeScript program that has an object which has a field called foo. Uh, you can create an object. Uh, I mean you can create you can create an optic that points or focuses to the foo property inside that object. And assume you have another object that has a property called bar, then you can build a, an optic or create an optic that uh, that refers to or focuses to the bar property of an object. Then when you join these two or compose them, has the effect of of creating an opti- optic that first in the outer object uh, focuses to the foo property and inside that foo property or the object that is contained in contained in that foo property it uh, points to the bar property so you actually can go deeper and deeper in that way sounds pr- pretty simple uh, is there other ways to focus on a property of an object rather than just by defining the name of the property itself for example can you provide functions as ways to focus or other things uh, yeah functions are possible you can create a lens by uh, by giving it functions to to read the value and to write the value and that's pro- probably one of, one of the most simple optics lens that is okay what are the basic building blocks of optics like are there some concept of optic classes out there so i already mentioned lenses uh, they are optics that have one focus so they they strictly focus on one one part of a data structure and they can be used for reading and writing uh, then there are prisms that also have one focus but they also might have zero focuses or to think it in another way is that they don't match so you might have an, a data structure that has some optional stuff inside of it and if you if you want to focus on on that optional field for example which is not there in the in the actual concrete object you have and then the prism doesn't match so then you cannot read through it 
or cannot write through it. But if the optional property is there, then a reading and writing succeeds. Uh, then we have traversals, uh, which can have uh, any number of focuses from zero to, to some end. They are not limited in any way. You, you could, for example, focus on, on every element of a list. And then when you, when you write through the traversal, you actually modify all the elements of that list in one operation. Uh, and yeah, one sort of a special case of lens, at least I think it, it like that, is an isomorphism, which I think I also already mentioned. Yeah, I mentioned it uh, when we talked about uh, query strings. So isomorphism is, is more like an a- abstraction of a, of a function and its inverse function. So when you, when you read through an isomorphism, you get a function applied to the data. And when you write through an isomorphism, you get the inverse of that function applied to the data. So it's, it's, it's like an operation that you can reverse. So going back to the query string example we talked about earlier, so it is an isomorphism because you can both make an object representing the query parameters and convert it to a string, but there is an inverse function that allows you to convert the string back to an object representation. Yeah, exactly. Yes. So do you need yeah. do you need to implement the inverse function yourself, or is there some mechanism to kind of automatically have it at your hand? Well, I don't know of any <laughs> any ways to create inverse functions for for arbitrary functions. So so no, you have to write it yourself. Of course, uh, opt- optics libraries that that have this this concept of isomorphism usually have some useful common isomorphisms already implemented. Okay, so are all the optics that you mentioned bidirectional as isomorphism clearly is, meaning that you can use them in both ways, or is there some limitations? Uh, well, these, these optics that I already mentioned, like, what were they? Lenses, traversals, prisms, and isomorphisms, they are two-way. But uh, you could also construct optics or have optics classes that that work only in one way for example if you had an optic that when written through would append an element to the end of a list then that could only be used for writing i think those optics are called setters and if you if you take it another way you would need then to kind of unset meaning like remove the appended element from the list yeah but that's that's generally not possible so, so yeah, that kind of a, of an optic is 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 right only, and that's why it has an, its own name. It's a setter. Okay, so going back from uh, the deeper level of building blocks for optics back to some concrete examples, uh, you mentioned previously user interface as one case for optics. So, how exactly does optics help you to build user interfaces? Uh, I think the state management is. It's the most useful application of optics when building UIs. So when you can can select parts of your state using optics and pass them down to your child components in a way that they can also update the bigger outer level state by writing directly to their state slice through the optic uh, makes a really nice abstraction for composable components in UI programming. Are there any currently available user interface frameworks that are based on using optics? Column.js 
by Vesa Karvonen is, is a framework on top of React that is heavily using optics for pretty much, much exactly this use case that I mentioned. And it achieves a very good performance with this single source of truth application state, which can be of any size, really. Because when you, when you apply writes to the application state, only the components down the component tree or the component hierarchy, only those components that actually have their slice of the state update, updated are actually re-rendered. Uh, so there are absolutely no useless re-renders of the component tree and thus no uh, useless updating of the, of the DOM. Okay, so if I got this right, it, from a person who is used to this kind of very traditional single or unidirectional data flow based state management like Redux and reframing closure script, uh, this seems to be like a two-way data manipulation Yeah, because because yeah. you just like in the in the user interface component where some event occurs and the state gets updated, it kind of directly updates the actual root state object through the optic that is provided to the component. Yeah, exactly. So when you compare this to Redux, for example, you don't need action creators or reducers at all, but instead the components can directly write the tear slice of the bigger application state. Okay, uh, is it like hard to understand where my data is? For me, this seems to be like very decomposed version of state management, where the state uh, is kind of splitted in several ways, probably several times if the application is big enough. And to me, a question arises that is it hard to understand a large program's functionality because the Optics probably are defined in several different places. This is actually uh, a part of the, the bigger topic of, of how, how you should write your programs in a way that they are easier, easy to understand and to modify later by you or by other programmers. When you, when you use lenses or optics for state management in this way, uh, you actually enable compositional reasoning. That means that you can you can look at your components or, or parts of, of the code in isolation and you can you can understand them in isolation. And when when you have gone through the path from your inner component all, all the way to the to the application to the whole application state, you should pretty easily understand what happens to the data in that path. And usually these these paths are not that long. You only have a couple of, of components that are given a slice of the outer components state, and then they, then they can manipulate that, use that and manipulate that directly. So the defining of the optics happens practically quite locally at the component level where they are actually being used instead of having some master spec somewhere in the code that defines the whole world for you. Yeah, well, now we actually come to the question of types uh, because column.js is not typed uh, because it's it's plain JavaScript. And with JavaScript, you have to either document your data structures if you want to see the types or, well, there are, are of course, some tools like the TypeScript server that can sometimes 
show you the structure of your data. But when you don't have any type annotations, uh, the result is not usually very good. So for me, the biggest shortcoming of Column.js is that it doesn't use TypeScript. Because when I, especially when I look at, at code that someone else has written, it is usually through the types that I, I start to understand how the program works, because then I can understand how the data flows through the program. And then I can make sense of, of the, the whole program more easily. So Petri, you have mentioned to me quite quite a several times the thing called Calm.js. So how did you first encounter it? And did you find it fascinating? Yeah. Uh, uh, the library is written by originally by Vesa Karvonen. And I was in a, in a training that he held. Uh, the topic of the training was, was actually optics. Part of the, the Column.js framework is, is this optics library called Partial Lenses, Partial.Lenses, which is uh, a huge JavaScript library of all kinds of, of optics. And it is, it is used ex- extensively in the Column.js framework and to do state splitting, state, state decomposition, as we talked earlier. And some of the ex- examples that Vesa showed showed us were so just so mind-blowing that I wanted to know more about optics and 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 yeah also the UI UI management uh, angle of this all has interested me from the beginning also so the core idea of Calm.js is to embed observables to virtual DOM so it doesn't ditch react uh, but it, it completely like introduces new paradigm to to the state management side. Yeah, yeah, that's right. We already concluded that lenses in programming has a history, and they come in form of optic libraries. So, where did everything actually start? Can you give me a brief history tour, Petri? Well, I'm not an expert on the history of optics, but to my knowledge, everything started from Haskell. Uh, data manipulation in Haskell is is pretty hard uh, because of the rigorous type system and uh, and and because of of shortcomings of the, the record type especially in Haskell so I think people started to find kind of mathematically or, or way, ways that are are ways whose roots are in mathematics to find ways to, to do data manipulation easier in Haskell programs. And and nowadays Haskell has, has several libraries which use different uh, typing constructions to achieve what they want to achieve. So there is some kind of theories behind uh, optics or lenses. Yeah. Uh, you have to have a type level construct for optics to be able to type them correctly in Haskell. And uh, there are a few few ways. I myself have... Ha- have uh, Familiarized myself with uh, with uh, one Lara Hoffen construction, which builds on on functions, and uh, the other other uh, approach is is called pro functions. These are algebraic constructs that can be used to 
to also implement the lenses and other optics in addition to to make them typeable in the Haskell type system. And Optics TS actually uses uses the profuncture construction to do it. I first started with the one Larhofen construction, but but then I find found out about profunctures and it actually became a really nice nice way of doing doing this stuff. It seems to be that lenses involve some deep theoretical knowledge that one does not necessarily need to know in order to use them. Uh, but uh, since you have yourself written a statically typed optics library, would you say that what was the required base knowledge in order to actually be able to write this library? <laughs> well, I'm not sure. Maybe you just have to be interested enough <laughs> to do it. Uh, I made this library with TypeScript and there are pretty deep TypeScript typing uh, structures involved in being able to do such a complex library as the one I did. But if you want to keep it simple, if you want to keep it for lenses only, for example, then I don't think it's it's that hard because lenses are are on the concept level, they are only a getter function and a setter function. It doesn't require that much. But if you want to go all the way uh, to other optics classes and and use the uh, the algebraic data structures or the algebraic constructs that are used in 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 the functional programming world, you actually have to go pretty deep deep into yeah functional programming and and stuff. So, as I previously mentioned, uh, you made an optics library yourself that is for TypeScript, and the name of the library is optics-ts. So, why did you end up writing that library, and, and how is it different from some other libraries out there? Uh, there are a few libraries actually already for TypeScript, uh, but uh, the biggest shortcoming of them to me was that uh, they were not polymorphic. Uh, it means that you can you can change the type of the of the values that you write inside the data structure. Uh, and uh, partial lenses that I already mentioned also is only for JavaScript and it's not typed at all and that bothered me a bit. So yeah, more or less I wanted to create a, uh, an optics library that is type safe and that uh, can be used to do polymorphic writes. There is a library called Monocle TS that I think comes from the land of Scala uh, that is ported to TypeScript. Uh, so do you know Monocle and if so, is the Optics TS different from Monocle TS? Uh, yeah, uh, I have I have looked at Monocle TS a bit. And yeah, it cannot, cannot do polymorphic writes. And I also, in my opinion, I found a, a nicer way of composing lenses or combining optics together than what Monocle TS uses. I haven't checked it in, in a few years, so it also probably has gone forward already. Uh, you also previously mentioned traversals. So did I get it right that traversals mean going deep into a data structure in a predefined manner and potentially updating all those references the traversal goes into? And does the Optics TS feature this kind of functionality? Yeah, it also has traversals. Mm. 
And yeah, you can use them to, to, to modify multiple places inside the data structure in one go, or to read multiple places at the same time with one call. I have some personal experience in using partial lenses to manipulate data on the backend side. I'm not sure if it was the original intended way of using partial lenses, but that's how I went and used it. And one use case with travels in partial lenses was to, for example, you have a data structure containing a list of integers that were keys for some object in database, and you wanted to like seamlessly replace the numbers with the actual objects from the database uh, using traversals. And Portia Lenses had this uh, ability to do asynchronous traversals. So is it possible with Optics TS or is it like some limitation provided by TypeScript that you cannot go around? Uh, yeah, I have seen that that construction where you can, any partial lenses, where you can uh, kind of combine these asynchronous calls or promises in a traversal and and yeah I'm not sure if it's possible in TypeScript I haven't tried it it might be but it also might not be uh, I have ported quite a few optics from partial lenses to optics TS but there are many that simply cannot be ported because of the restrictions that the, the type system of TypeScript places on us So what kind of restrictions are there? I personally, of course, get to use TypeScript quite a lot. So can you explain to me, like, what were the actual limitations of the typing system of TypeScript so that you cannot, for example, move some features from Partial.lenses to Optics.ts? Well, maybe the problem isn't that much that that you cannot do things in TypeScript. Uh, my One of my goals when writing Optics.ts was and still is that if your types are correct uh, then the optics will work and there are no any's or unknowns in the code base well at least not in the in the interface that that the user sees and while some uh, complex optics might be possible to write in optics ts i haven't yet found a way to do it uh, in 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 the javascript language it's 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 easier because you don't really have to care about the types that much. So there there can really be anything at the other side of the optic, and you don't just don't have to care about it because you don't have to think in the types at all. So we have been talking about optics, prisms, isomorphisms, and polymorphisms, and I personally have been using optics libraries for some time already, and I especially love using them in the user interface level. But now I actually feel that I understand so much better some of the fundamentals involved. So personally, this has been extremely educational conversation for me. So thank you, Petri, for taking your time and attending this episode. And now bailing out from this question, which one would you rather choose, the boilerplate rabbit hole or ditching type signatures and going all wild using JavaScript and dynamically typed optic, optic libraries? <laughs> ah, this is a hard question. Well, actually, it's not a hard question. I would choose the boilerplate uh, rabbit hole anytime, at least now, because uh, I'm so deep in typed programming right now. And and I simply love it because with types, you actually can write your stuff in a way that that when it compiles, when when the type check passes, then 
your program actually works and you don't have to have to go and debug it anymore. So yeah, okay. that's that's yeah. why. Yeah, that's a good answer. Uh, so if you did like this episode, please make sure to rate, review and subscribe to our podcast. It really helps our work here. And please see the episode notes for links to all the things we covered today. Until next time. Thank you.